If you can grab your Bibles, open to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9, and we will continue our study through our study through the book of Revelation. And it's been a wonderful time going through God's Word here and this prophecy. And uh, we're going to be looking at about half the chapter here this morning. But let's go ahead and begin with the word of prayer. Jesus, thank you again for this morning. Lord God, we come and bow before you. And as we worship you, I do thank you for your goodness, God. You've been so good to us, so good to each one of us in our lives, so merciful, gracious, God. I ask that even as we come before you now, that your mercies would be new, that you would forgive us this morning, God, as we open your word, as we come before your presence, Lord. And Cleanse us, Lord. Make us right before you, God, that we may hear your voice, that your spirit would speak. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying this morning. And Lord, as we dive into your word, God, may it may it change us, God. May it motivate us. May it move us, God, to live more for you. Jesus, we just want to honor you more and more, Lord. And we want to live this life before you in the goodness that you blessed us with. God, we want it to be about you, Jesus, and nothing else. So, God, I ask that you would anoint your word. I pray for your spirit to come and fill us now, Lord. Give us understanding, Lord, and help us to apply these things and have a change of heart this morning. So I pray you bless your word, anoint it, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was a sign outside of a church in Atlanta, and at the top of the sign it had, well, the name of the church, it had uh, the name of the pastor, and uh, under that was a title for the sermon for that Sunday. And at the bottom of the sign was a special announcement. And so I don't know if you've seen those marquee signs that you can put letters on. Well, this was one of those typical churches, and it had that information on there. Well, it just so happened that for that Sunday morning, the title of the sermon was, Do You Know What Hell Is? And under that, it said, that special announcement, come hear the choir on Sunday morning. (laughs) I think that was a little mistake there. (laughs) Well, you know what? Today, in our study in the book of Revelation, we come to the blowing of the fifth trumpet, the fifth trumpet, trumpet number five of all the trumpet judgments here, and where actually, literally, the world will experience what hell is like. So I titled my message this morning, A Taste of Hell. A Taste of Hell. Now we're going to be picking up uh, here in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12 this morning, if you're taking notes. And our outline today is this, and this is what we're going to see. Number one, the abyss unlocked. Number two, the demons unleashed. And number three, the evil unveiled. So that's our outline for this morning. Let's begin here with number one, uh, our title once again, The Taste of Hell. And number one in our outline, The Abyss Unlocked. The Abyss Unlocked. Now, we're going to be covering verses one through two here in this section underneath this heading. Uh, And let's go ahead and take a look at those two verses. Let's read this. It says here in verse 1, Revelation chapter 9, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened and the smoke with the smoke from the shaft. We'll stop there. We begin with the Apostle John now continuing to write this account. And remember, he's the author of the, uh, the book of Revelation as he's recording this vision, these events that he saw in the future. Now, this is all prophetic, remember. This is all happening in that seven years of tribulation And what we're coming into is that last half of the tribulation, the last three and a half years. So you remember, we've been reading this, we've been studying this. And here in verse 1, the fifth angel blew his trumpet, which brings about the fifth trumpet judgment here. In the last chapter, if you remember, we saw seven angels are given seven trumpets. And in our last message at the end of chapter 8, we saw the first four trumpets. If you remember that, if you missed that, you can catch that on our YouTube channel. And, and with that, we saw the first trumpet. And you remember, it brings devastation 
to the vegetation on the land. One-third of the earth was burnt. One-third of trees were burnt. One-third of the grass was, well, or, or actually all green grass was burned, as we learned last chapter. The second trumpet brings destruction in the sea. You remember, one-third of life in the ocean was killed, and one-third of ships on the ocean were destroyed. The third trumpet brings fresh, uh, the fresh waters were poisoned. So one-third of rivers and spring water in, in all of the world became undrinkable. Matter of fact, we learned that some drank and they died because of that. And then the fourth trumpet, it brings darkness in the sky. Remember, one-third of the light from the sun, the moon, and the stars were dimmed down. So we saw last time the first four trumpet ju- judgments put the earth into much trauma, right? Much trauma, Uh, The title of our message last week was The Trauma of the First Four Trumpets. Well, now we come, we cross over from chapter 8 to chapter 9, and we come to the fifth trumpet. Now, the fifth trumpet sounds here. The angel takes the trumpet, he blows it at the command of God, and here's what John sees. He writes down here in verse 1, he sees a star fallen from heaven down onto the earth. Now, let me put this out to you. This is not a star like an asteroid. This is not an asteroid like we saw uh, in the third trumpet when this asteroid had fallen to the earth, and, and that's what I believe has poisoned uh, the oceans and all. But it's not that a, a star or asteroid here. This star is actually an angel. And let me explain. How do I know that? Well, verse 1 then says, I saw a star falling from heaven to earth, and it says, and he was given. So this isn't like some inanimate object, but it's a creature, it's a being. It's a living being. And John writes, he, he says a he. Now understand, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, many times, Angels are referred to as stars. Yeah, the, the, the Job was talk, or God was talking to Job saying, Hey, were you there when the morning stars, when the angels, all the angels sang at creation? So many times in the Bible we'll see stars written there, but it's referring to angels. So this is what we see here. This is an angel. And then notice something else about this star. He says in verse 1, I saw a star, what? Fallen from where? heaven. So if this is an angel, this angel has fallen from heaven, and fallen is in past tense, as you read there. And who is the, the fallen angel? Who's that? Satan, correct. This is Satan. So this is Satan who has come forth here, and at, we'll see, at the command of God, is taking these keys now, or God has allowed him that. Take a peek over at verse 11 here in chapter 9. Verse 11, it describes this angel. Verse 11 says, They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. So, when we read in verse 1, the star fallen, we are looking at Satan, none other than the fallen angel Satan himself. We know in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, you can look at that later, verses 12 through 14, we find sort of the, the history of Satan. We, we know Satan, he was created, he was a created being, he was an angel in heaven. We know that he wanted to be like God. Right? He was there in heaven, and some even talk about a small reference in Ezekiel that talks a little bit about this, that some even think, well, he might have even been a worshiped leader in there. We don't know for sure, but we know he was there, and we know he's an angel, and we know. And Isaiah 14 tells us how he pridefully exalted himself, set him himself up, because he wanted to, to be worshipped. He wanted to have that seat up there and be like God. And so basically, he was thrown out of heaven because of that sin, because of that pride. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, the first part of the verse is, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, star, our angel, son of dawn. We will learn in Revelation 12 that Satan, when he fell, he took with him one-third of the angels in heaven. And those are the angels who fell with them, and they became demons. And so here's the setting. Here we see the trumpet being blown, and then Satan comes 
out now. Satan, the star fallen from heaven. Now look at verse 1. Here Satan, he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. John saw now Satan was given the keys to, to the shaft that connects down to the bottomless pit. Now most likely it is God. It's the Lord God who gave him these keys. I mean God is, is, is the one who, who really locks these guys down there as we will see. So this key is to the shaft or this hole basically that goes down and connects to what we read here is called the bottomless pit. Now in the original language... Um, in the Greek, the word is abuso, abuso. And you may have heard of that name before. Uh, one of my pastor friends said he would joke with his friend, says, oh, your stomach is the abuso. I'm calling you the abuso, right? Bottom, bottomless pit, because he can eat so much. But we, today, we use this word abyss, abyss, as bottomless pit. So this is the abyss, basically. And the abyss is a prison, basically, where really, really bad demons are incarcerated by God. Second Peter 2, 4 talks about that, or 2 through 4, or 2, 4. This shaft connects to a place, really, in the depths of hell. That's the idea. So the shaft, there's a gate on it. Satan has the keys. And he has the keys to that. He's given to that. He opens that, this shaft, this hole, which connects to the abyss. And then when it's open, verse 2, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like smoke of a great furnace, like black smoke, and just coming out into the whole world here, coming out smoke, and so much smoke that the sunlight and the air was covered with this smoke. And so everything turned dark because of this smoke coming out. And you know what? I was thinking, oh, you see black smoke and it's coming out of the abyss. It's coming out of that bottomless pit, this prison for really bad demons. I, I, I was picturing myself seeing that. And, and probably with this black smoke, it's not just, oh, there's a cane fire downtown or, oh, there's a fire here. Or no, it's this black smoke that you could probably feel, yeah. It's so dark and like evil is about to come out. So this black smoke is, is this ominous sign of what is to come. The abyss is unlocked by Satan. And so here's what I want you to see in this section. The fifth trumpet brings out the worst of all demons into the earth. That's what's going to happen. That's what we're going to see in the next verses. So the fifth trumpet, basically, here's, here's what the fifth trumpet does. Just like I gave you what each of the trumpets do. The fifth trumpet brings out the worst of all demons into the earth. The abyss is unlocked. And you know why? The world is going to get a taste of hell right here on the earth. You know, it's interesting that from Jewish thinking and theology, even uh, many from reading these verses or this verse that we're looking at, the abyss or the bottomless pit, they believe is somewhere located in the center of the earth. So there's a thinking of that. Wait, you might have heard that, but it's this bottomless deep thing way down there where these uh, demons are incarcerated. Now, I don't pretend to really understand that completely. I mean, hell, you know, or, or this bottomless pit in the center of the earth or, you know, there, but there's that thinking. But somehow now Satan goes and unlocks, yeah, this, this shaft, this hole, this gate over this hole and and perhaps it is a physical shaft. Perhaps what you see initially is this uh, physical shaft, but it's connected to these depths of hell, which is another realm, right? So there's like these two things going on. I was trying to figure this out, but I can't. I can't pretend to, to do that. But, but notice this. This is a prison for these really bad demons, right? And demons are angels, fallen angels, and they're spiritual beings, and they're going to come out, out into the earth. And we're going to see a physical description about them. But here's the, the spiritual realm, maybe connecting with the physical realm here. And that's what I was thinking about. Notice this. The first four trumpets, right, they bring a natural physical calamity. 
right? We saw that last time. But the fifth trumpet judgment, and we'll see the sixth, it brings a demonic spiritual calamity. So for me, I'm kind of seeing, whoa, this, this is a moment here in the judgments of God during the tribulation where the spiritual realm meets the physical realm. The supernatural crosses over to the natural. So that, in a way, helps me to kind of get a little grasp of what may be going on here. So I put that into your minds. You know what? We should all thank God that the worst demons ever, right, are not running around free right now. Yeah? That, that when the trumpet judgment, fifth trumpet comes, uh, it's going to call, it, it blows. It's going to bring out the worst of all demons on the earth. And I'm glad they're not free right now. I'm so glad. I mean, it's bad enough with just normal demons running around, right? And we understand that. You know, I was talking to Lane over in uh, Okinawa, Miyako Island, and he was telling me the day before when we were FaceTiming, he felt this oppression and he felt this just, just like depression and discouragement and, and, and it was something couldn't, you know, shake and all. And then those things are real. I told Lane, yeah, you know what, I, I get those too. I, I feel that too, you know. Uh, oh, by the way, Lane says hi. He says, tell the church hi and thanks for all your prayers and support in that way and and um, he, we were talking, because I don't know if you saw the prayer request, if you're on the prayer, prayer team email, um, they are looking at, they put an application to lease a building, uh, which they're going to uh, try open Sunday service and have English school there. And I think it'd be a great way for, for that to fund the ministry over there too. So he said to pray for that, but he was thinking, well, maybe that's why I'm feeling this oppression. Maybe, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. To happen, but it's bad enough, right? With the regular demons running around. But know this, you guys. Elohim, right? God, right? In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and earth. Elohim, our creator, is greater and stronger and is in control and cannot be overpowered by Satan and he never will be. Amen. Elohim, remember that, his name. There, And take note here, even in verse 1, that the key was given, right, to this fallen angel, not taken, right? It was part of God's judgment. So understand that. First John 4, 4, right, says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? So the abyss is unlocked by Satan, and then we come to number two in our outline. The demons are unleashed. Number two, the demons are unleashed. Now here we're going to cover verses three through six, three through six, but first take a look at the next two verses, verses three and four. It says here, then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. In verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their heads. So we'll stop there. So out of the smoke now, right? Satan unlocks the, 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 the gate, and out of the shaft from the bottomless pit come out this smoke. This black like evil smoke, you can feel it. Well, out of that, I just picture, appear now locusts. John writes here, and he sees locusts on the earth. Now, now this isn't insects here. This isn't the, the little locust bugs that are flying out. But this is locust demons swarming out of this smoke. All of a sudden, they're appearing from out of that black smoke all over. You can clearly see that, that these are not like lo actual locust bugs because they have, right, John writes here, they were given power like the power of scorpions on earth. Yeah, so, I mean, locusts, they don't have stingers. We're going to see later in verse 10 that it, it tells us that they have tails that sting and hurt like scorpions do. We know that they're not bugs because they are not, look in the very next verse, verse 4 says, they are not to harm the grass of the earth or 
any green plant or tree like locusts do. I believe that's put there to show us, no, this isn't a little bug here. But they are to target unbelieving people who do not have, verse 4 tells us, the seal of God on their foreheads. And remember we learned in Revelation 7 that the 144,000 Jewish missionaries are going out preaching the gospel, that they were the ones that were sealed. And we will also see later in Revelation that tribulation saints, those who are saved right after the rapture, during the tribulation time, that they will be sealed too, those who came to Jesus during that time. So we see this locust demons coming out. It's good to know that, you know what, these guys and Satan, they got to submit to God, right? So here's the first thing we see. As locusts attack in swarms, this locust demons swarm on people. I was reading how the desert locusts swarm together so that half a square mile of, of the swarm of locusts, they say there can be up to f- like 40 to 80 million bugs, insects. So much so it, it just it darkens the sunlight. The swarm can be as high as 100 feet high. That's like a 10-story building. And it could be as wide and as big as 460 square miles. That's a lot of insects. Ladies, can you imagine being in the middle of that? Yeah, crazy, yeah? Each locust, they say, will eat its weight. Uh, uh, A swarm like that would eat 423 pounds of plants and trees every day. So you can see why devastating a locust plague, so to speak, that happens, you know, over Middle East, Africa, areas and all, how devastating that is. So picture now these, these locust demons, this swarm coming out of the smoke, descending upon the whole earth and attacking human beings. Crazy, huh? And what is going to happen? Look at verse 5 now. It says, And they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion which it sting, when it stings someone. Verse 6, And in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So these locust demons, they come out. And really their purpose here is to torment people and God controlling them, praise the Lord. Uh, he, they're not just running free, but they are allowed to torment people for five months, which is interesting because that's a typical lifespan of a locust. Or I was just reading um, this just the other day in a commentary. Uh, someone brought up the fact that in Genesis 8, and maybe this correlates with it, in Genesis 8 when the flood waters came, you know, with Noah, it lasted 150 Days And in Jewish calendar, uh, 30 days is a month, so you can think 30 times 5, 150 days. Maybe it correlates with the judgment that fell upon the earth at that time with the flood, that this is part of the judgment falling here. So uh, perhaps it's something speaking of that. So they, they were tormenting people for five months, and then many, many uh People died in Noah's flood, but no one was allowed to die, even when people wanted to die here. Now, that's interesting to me. I don't know if maybe uh, these demons, they, they don't allow, but they stop people. People are trying to take their life because of the sting, because of the torment, because of the torture of the pain and suffering is so bad. They just, they just want to end their, their life. I'd never gotten uh, stung by a scorpion. I don't know. Has anyone here in the room? No? I, all I read was it's super bad. Uh, they're super painful. So you can imagine what these demons are doing and tormenting the people of the earth. And maybe that's part of their torment too, to stop people from, who are suffering so much from taking their life. So here's the second thing we see. The locust demons come with a purpose to torment people with endless suffering. That's, that's why they're there. 
People can't die. They're going to just continue to suffer. They're going to be tortured with this, with their stings. And so these locust demons come with a purpose to torment people with endless suffering. I was thinking, why, why would this judgment even come this way? You know why? It's our theme. It's our title. So the people in the world will experience a taste, a taste of hell. That's why. Of what hell would be like. See, hell, in hell, the suffering and torture never ends. We understand that, right? Jesus said, he described hell in Mark chapter 9, verse 48, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Yeah? It's continue. It goes on and on. Hell is really a place of torment. We know hell is, is, is you'll suffer because it's, you're, you live eternally without God, right? And, and that, that's going to be bad. And then I was thinking, thinking about the bottomless pit. Oh, yeah, you're going to live with these weird, crazy demons, too. That's not going to be fun, where they're jailed, right? Maybe, I always thought perhaps a big part of the torment is the pain of regret for rejecting Jesus and not believing in God. But hell is real. And perhaps God is put, allowing this in his judgment to be put forth. So maybe people might wake up to the fact that there is a hell for those who reject Jesus Christ. The assistant to the famous author, Christian author, C.S. Lewis, laughed. Um, the assistant did when he saw a gravestone that said, Here lies an atheist all dressed up with no place to go. But C.S. Lewis, interesting enough, insightful, he didn't laugh. He replied with, I'm sure he wishes now that were true, right? Because without Christ, you're going to go to hell. The reality is that every soul will live eternally, right? If you really think about it, the question is where? Where? Heaven or hell? Now, I know this is not the most pleasant of subjects we're talking about. Demons, hell, Satan. Someone's going to ask you today, Hey, how's church? What'd you talk about it? You know, oh, hell and demons and Satan. Oh, I don't want to go to that church, you know, kind of thing, right? But we're here. This is the Word of God. This is where we're at in our study here. And this is what we need to think about, right? We, we, we need to see the reality that You know, once you die, that's it. You're either in heaven or you're either in hell. The choice is to be made now while we're living. Someone said the truth about hell is if you're there, it's too late. And that's so true. The reality is, is that every soul will live eternally. The question is where? You know, sometimes I forget that when I'm sharing with someone and witnessing to, with someone, sharing Jesus. I get excited, right? I talk about well, how Jesus died on the cross and he died for your sins. You can be forgiven. The weight of guilt can be lifted. You can be cleansed. Uh, you can be made right with God and you can go to heaven. You can live, have eternal life in heaven. But sometimes I forget that there is a hell too. And that's the reality of the other side. Without that atonement, without Jesus forgiving you of your sins, you, sadly you'll, be, you'll end up in hell. Some people don't like talking about hell. Some, like the JWs, right? They don't like it, so they say, well, when you die, you just disappear. There is no hell. No, but Jesus was very specific about that. The Bible is very clear about that. What's very clear too is that there is a choice for your eternity whether it's eternal life or eternal torment so if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ this is the day today is the day of salvation if you're connected online and you have never really accepted Christ you've never given him your life and received Jesus into your heart this is the day So will you believe today in the atonement Christ has made? His blood was shed so you can be forgiven. He was the sacrifice made. So you can go to heaven when you die, when you pass from this life. 
So that you can have a relationship with God today. So you can, you can be a new creation. So the Holy Spirit could come and be in you. So you can know Jesus in a close relationship. I pray that today would be the day that you would give your heart to Christ. That you would hold, not hold off any longer. Because you know what? Jesus loves you so much. And Jesus is reaching out to you. And Jesus wants to have you close, wants to have that relationship, wants to make you new, wants to forgive you and free you of those sins and, uh, that, that bring us down and hurt us so much and torment us. He wants to save you from this time coming in the future, right? That we're looking at here in Revelation 9 when the world will get a taste of hell. Let's go on to number three. Our heading is the evil unveiled. The evil unveiled. We've we seen in this taste of hell, the abyss unlocked, the demons unleashed, and now the evil unveiled. Here we're going to be uh, covering the next set. This next section will be from verse 7 through 12, if you're taking notes. But first of all, from verse 7 to 10, it reads here, In a Appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like the crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. We'll stop there. Okay, so John now, he goes on to describe these locust demons. So they fly out, yeah, like locusts, and they're flying out, and they're coming out of the smoke, and then he sees these, these beings, these demons, these creatures, and, and he starts describing them. And, and first of all, he, he, he says, you know what, in appearance, the locusts, they're like horses prepared for battle. And to me, you know what that's saying? They're not the little insect, you know. They're like a huge horse, yeah. And they're out there like a, a battle horse, ready, yeah. Maybe they're snorting like horses, ready to be, they're all aggressive, ready to go into battle, to go to war. It looked like they're ready for war. And then secondly, he said, it looked like, he says, that there was crowns of gold on top of their heads. Now, what I picture is not a little crown, but it looked like one, right? So maybe there's like horns on top of them, maybe, yeah, that look like a crown, yeah? Maybe there are that kind of golden colors or, or, or so in hue, but they, that was on top of their head. It looked like they had a crown, but maybe there's like horns on top of their head. And even with that commentary, say, well, it, it shows perhaps maybe their authority and power and all of that. And then he says their faces were like, what, human faces, yeah? They had eyes, they had a mouth, they had a, a nose. They, these creatures, they weren't like some weird-looking thing with no eyes or one eye. But no, they looked like, like, like us, like, like, like a man, like a person with two eyes and a, a mouth. And their hair was long like Women's, perhaps maybe there there's these uh, appendages, you know, maybe it's coming out from the back of their head and flowing out, you know, maybe long, like looking like tails, but from their head and a whole bunch of them that look like hair. And then he describes their teeth. Their teeth were like lion's teeth, sharp, deadly, scary, and they had breastplate like it looked like maybe maybe that scales and it looked like armor of iron there and 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 so these demons looked like they had this vest of armor on their torso and on top of that he said that the noise of their wings yes so it seemed like maybe these guys had wings it was loud like many chariots with horses going out toward like i can't do that i don't know if some of you guys can do it do your tongue a little, I, I can't do that. But, you know, picture that. 
with with surround sound with the the the, the low bass going brrr, you know kind of thing going on you, you you know when when you have the subwoofer going and you can feel that right you don't just hear it, you feel it i think that's the best subwoofer when you feel it anyway but but that's what that that's what's going on and as we mentioned they have tails which sting like scorpions. So it's, that's like the, their main weapon is this tail that whips around. I don't know, maybe it's like a scorpion coming around like that, you know, from above their head, and they sting people. So here's the first thing. I want you to see these demons are super scary creatures, you know what, that have never been seen before. These are scary things, these demons. They're super scary creatures that have never been seen before. Now, Revelation is a very difficult book to interpret because of these things we're reading. And it's hard to fully understand and conceive, you know, what is this thing? But I tried my best to interpret it properly to show you that these are demons, yeah? They're coming out of the abyss, yeah? If they're coming out of the abyss, these are definitely these, the worst of all demons that have been locked up there. And we, you know, uh, the Bible tells us all these things. So, what John describes must be these demons. Some uh, look at this description as very symbolic, and they, you know, oh, these creatures or these things come out, or it's this force, or depending on your theology of Revelation. But I think that John just wrote down what he saw, right? In the best way he could for a man who lived in ancient times. That's why he said, oh, the noise of their wings like chariots with horses, Right, and, 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 and he describes it in, in this way, in the best way he can have people read this to relate and kind of picture this in their mind. That's what I think he's writing. They're, they're, they're like horses, you know. Oh, yeah, they're, to me, that means they're huge. They, they have faces like human. They, they, they like have long hair, you know, but it's probably just these appendages and these things coming out of their head. You know what? Some even interpret this saying this is like, modern machinery. John is trying to describe modern machinery like this is a, a military, you know, war helicopter and, you know, with that tail and, and you know, with missiles and, and all like that. But I don't believe that. I don't think John is saying, John has seen some nuclear war and battle that's going on. I believe from what we're reading, these guys are demons out from the abyss. And this is the best way he can describe it. I believe these are locust-like demons and this is, again, the supernatural manifesting itself in the physical universe. And when these demons come out, these guys are, are gross. They're evil. They come out of the pit, you guys. And they're scary. They're super scary. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking of, uh, when, of, of this, what I'm reading. When you, uh, we had recently watched, you know, one of those movies where these scary-looking aliens, you know, they come on the... Uh, how, how many movies now are like that, right? Aliens come, and they come, and they, they want to kill people and take over the earth, and, and they're super scary-looking, right? And, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they only give you, like, like the arm or, you know, part of the head. And, and so it makes you want to, whoa, you know, keep watching the movie to see, well, what does the thing really look like, right? Then you see these strange, weird-looking creatures... Most of the time, though, right, they get mouth. Uh, this one we just saw, they had teeth, they had eyes, you know, had like a nose, and they could look at you. It actually had long appendages like hair and everything. I was thinking, maybe that's a demon right there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who, who comes up with these things, right? You know, for these movies, I think, what kind of person is, you know, doing that? But anyway, think about that. So think about that movie you saw and that alien being. How would you describe that to someone with words? Right? Well, that's what John is doing right here. Oh, their hair was like dreadlocks, you know, coming down. Or they had sharp teeth like a shark, you know. Um, and, and their face, oh, their face was human-like. It was like my teacher in the third grade. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So, you see what John is describing Never before seen, these scary demons, not military machinery, not aliens. These are demons from the pit of hell. 
And you know what I also think? I think God will make it clear to the people who are alive during that tribulation time when this happens. Those people are conditioned to aliens, right? We're getting conditioned to, oh, aliens coming to take over the earth. Oh, hey, maybe these are those aliens. But God is going to make it clear that they are not, that these guys are demons. You know how he's going to do that? Because the 144,000 don't get touched, right? They aren't touched. The guys who are preaching the gospel of Jesus... They aren't touched. And as I mentioned, the tribulation saints, they're going to be sealed and protected too. And perhaps they're going to share. This is just like the plagues in Egypt when Israel was not touched by the plagues that fell upon the Egyptians. What a sign that will be. What a message that will be. And I think this is what God, even in this judgment, is still reaching out to people, still calling on them aid. This is what hell is like. You really want this? This is real. Demons. The spiritual realm. The evil spiritual realm. Evil is being unveiled here. Look at verse 11. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is abandoned and in Greek he is called Apollyon. So these demons, these really bad, the worst of all demons, they have a commander, they have a leader, they have a king, and he's the king, he's the leader of the, uh, uh, the bottomless pit, this angel. And who's that? Who's that? Right. We already talked about that. Right? And Satan, who is also called in Hebrew now, abandon, the word means destruction, and Apollyon is actually a Greek word. It means destroyer or exterminator. I, like, I was thinking, oh, that is Satan. He's an exterminator. This is exactly Satan's message, message, mission to destroy and bring destruction to every person on the planet. That's his mission, you guys. Uh, remember John, I mean, um, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus comes to give life and have life abundantly, life here on, on, on earth as we live on earth and life, true life and e- eternity in heaven. But Satan, oh, he comes, he's a thief. He's come to steal the blessing from me. He's come to kill and destroy your life, your spiritual life, your relationship with God. And then look, verse 12, our last verse here. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. This is just the beginning. Remember at the end of chapter 8, right? The eagle flew around. Woe, 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 right? Talking about the three woes to come, the three more trumpet blasts after the four, uh, the, the last three of the seven trumpets. And so this here's trumpet five, and, and here there is more to come. I don't know if this is the eagle flying around or this is God saying this, but John writes that, that this is the first woe that eagle talked about, but there's going to be two more coming. Remember, woe means sorrow. It means uh, judgment. It means like uh, in, the, in kind of the feel of condemnation. So two more extreme judgments are going to come. And we're going to see next time the sixth trumpet is even more deadly with demonic activity. So our last point is this. This is a heads up to more evil to come from Satan who is really showing his hand. The the angel of the bottomless pit, he's the king over these demons. He's the one really behind this. And there's more woe to come. And so here's a heads up here in verse 12. Here's a heads up from verse 11 connected to more evils to come from Satan who is really showing his hand. John Phillips in his commentary wrote, Man is now in the hands of demons who drive the human race from one insanity to another. It's going to be a crazy time. This is literally hell on earth going on with these two trumpets. I remember someone once telling me, and maybe someone's, you've heard this, and, or someone has told you this, you know, and I remember once, some, once someone telling me, sort of jokingly saying, ah, I, don't, I don't mind going to hell because I get the party with all my friends down there. Right? But we know it's not some eternal party. That's exactly what Satan would like you to think. Yeah. Satan would, would like you to think there is no hell. 
because he wants to deceive people and fool people into their own destruction. And the world's going to see with this trumpet, the fifth trumpet, Satan's plans are evil. They're going to see evil totally unveiled here by this demon swarm who's come to torture and torment people. I appeal to you guys today as we close up that you be mindful of Satan's devices, his strategies, and the things he does. Because Christians or, or, or non-Christians, don't be fooled in thinking, yeah, that I'm, you're okay with not living fully for Jesus, or I'm okay with, with not having Jesus in my life. Don't be fooled into thinking, oh, nah, the future's far away, eternity is far, I'll do it later. No. As I've been saying, right, the next event, I would say, that's on the prophetic calendar for the end times is the rapture. Everything is set up and ready for that moment. We're right at the edge right now with things going on in this world, in the Middle East, even in our own country. So don't be fooled into thinking, ah, I get time, I'm okay. It's all right. Satan wants to distract you. Satan wants to pull you away from being close to Jesus. And he wants to bring you down. And if you don't know Christ, bring you to his world, his level, his eternity, which is hell. We need to be praying hard for those who are are lost. We need to be praying hard for those who have not accepted Christ and received Christ. We want to be praying hard for each other that we would not be drawn away or those who have, you know. We need to be praying hard that they will be brought back. We need to pray for each other, ourselves even. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.26, sort of, this should be our prayer, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. We need to pray because Satan has, 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 has fooled people. We need to help pray that people come to their senses. Yeah? People have been ensnared by the devil. They've been captured to do his will. Now, I don't want to do Satan's will, right? I don't want to do that. I want to follow God. I want to do, do Jesus, what Jesus wants. Well, we know only Jesus can really free you. And we know that he can because Jesus is the only one who's conquered sin, death, and Satan when he died on the cross and when he rose again from the dead. And that's why Jesus is so, so important. I'll close with this. In Jamaica, there's a shrub, a shrub growing on the side of the road called, it's actually called the wait a bit shrub, wait a bit. It's the wait-a-bit bush. One man was visiting the island, got too close, when his clothes touched the plant, and he was, he was ensnared. He was caught by the thorns that are like fish hooks on the branches of this plant. The more he tried to free himself, the more he, he got entangled more by the barbs, and finally his friend who was with him had to come and release him and free him from this hopeless situation. Well, you know what? The devil has his weight a bit, bushes along the road of life. It's easy to be ensnared by his devices. It's easy to be entangled by sin, by evil, the flesh. But Jesus can free us. Jesus can. And that's why we need him so much in our lives. He can keep us from those weight a bit bushes that Satan sets up. But if you don't trust in Jesus, it's only going to get worse and worse don't let Satan get the best of you. Don't let him allow to catch you and ensnare you. Because that's what the world is doing right now. And it's only going to get worse and worse. And eventually, they will get and experience a taste of hell. Let's pray. God, as we close up here and before we sing, our hearts, Lord, are bowed before you and as we're learning 
God, in this chapter, what's going to be coming upon the world? God, it's, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's hard to imagine. It's hard to understand. But somehow the spiritual realm is going to meet the physical realm in this way. And the people of the whole world can be affected in, 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 in a great way like never before. And God, I pray for those who don't know you that they will come to Jesus right now. That they would just pray a simple prayer and receive you into their heart, God. Lord, I pray that as we sing that they would cry out to you and find forgiveness and salvation, Lord. I pray for anyone here today that would do the same. And I pray, God, for those we know, our loved ones, our family, Lord, our co-workers, Lord, our neighbors. God, that they may be saved before these horrible things happen, Lord. God, we know that Satan and demons are real in that spiritual realm. There's battles going on, and there's battles that are, are, are going on where the enemy is trying to attack us and bring us down, discourage us, trying to depress us, trying to make us give up and keep us from you, Jesus. But, Lord, we're going to cling to you because we need you, God. We're going to cling to you because you're the only one that can save us and free us. We're going to cling to you because, Lord... You are strength, and in Christ, Lord, who strengthened us, we can do anything. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us right now. Lord, empower us. Give us ability to stand for you, to share your word, to shine the light. Holy Spirit, give us the power, God, to, to really live for Jesus. God, you freed us enough, Lord, to where we can make a choice now. And we choose you, Jesus, right now. We choose you. But I pray for those who are struggling with sin right now. Pray for those who are in habitual sin, God, that this will be the day that you free them, Lord. That as we close in a song, that your spirit would come, that by the power of your resurrection, that you would free them, Lord, from the past, from the flesh, from the sin, And this would be a day, the day, the moment, God, when those things never again affected them. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.